0: You are now tuned into Reppin' Sessions podcast. Exclusive interviews with White Oak Roughneck legends. Follow on Instagram and Facebook, Reppin' the Roughnecks. I took
1: over in 1950 as the head coach in White Oak. <laughs> uh, went 6-4 and four your first year. I mean, you scheduled the game for the first round of the playoffs. Is that true? <laughs> is, 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 is that true or not?
0: supposed to get
1: out. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. Because you know, if Coach Miles really did that, that was pretty ballsy of him. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah, pretty well, confident. A Mr.
0: Champion in advance. Well, uh, that was one or two years where you had several players coming
1: back. What year was that? Do you remember what year that, that homecoming was? That he scheduled <laughs> that by any chance? Uh, well, no, I
0: really don't. Probably 56. Seven, 56 or
2: seven.
1: Well What was it like winning the state title? I mean you're the only coach in White Oak to ever to accomplish that.
0: Well, we played there at Waco and <laughs> I- actually I-, I got a little nervous at the end of the game because first, we hadn't been to town very often anybody in White Oak <laughs> they were all all field workers that come in from other places and they were, they were country. <laughs> and we had all of a sudden that there were several radios that wanted to interview our players. Well, I, I knew most of them weren't able to do a radio interview. <laughs> so I tried to gather them all up, all up together where we could do one interview and I could sort of help them if they needed help. Which it is. Oh, that was exciting. It really was. As you can't imagine building up to that. But as soon as the game was over, we ate, and got on the bus, and went back to White Oak. Got back to White Oak about eleven o'clock that night. And there was a, a few parents there. And the first question they asked me when I stepped off the bus, Coach, what happened? Hell, we tied, we didn't win the
2: game. You know, that was the, back then, you tied and then you went to penetrations. Penetrations were tied. Then you went to first downs. First downs were tied. (laughs) Then they went to total yardage, and it was tied. That's the only time it's ever happened in the history of football. Wow. (laughs) That's one of them were co-champions. There was no winner because everything was tied. Yeah. That was a weird deal yeah the whole
0: team was ready to go though and Roy Bruce they said
1: he was an absolute stud of an athlete of a football player from what he I heard was,
0: <laughs> he was a 5a player playing in class a <laughs> actually Roy was an unusual person in many ways he wasn't a very good student and it didn't worry me <laughs> When it comes to playing ball, he is ready to play ball.
2: Yes. went to TCU.
0: He went to TCU and uh, got killed in a car wreck the first because while he was a freshman at TCU. Roy was capable of doing a lot of unusual things. I think the best example of Roy, what way he felt about school, mm-hmm. he had an English class that he was famous. And the English teacher didn't want it. Then you fail one, he had to go back to the same place next year. Well, I didn't want him back. <laughs> <laughs> so, they assigned him to a teacher says, if you write me a 15-page theme or term paper, well, let that count as your grade. So he went and sat down and says, uh, when I was a kid, we had a cat at our house and that cat got lost so I got, I got out on the back porch and called kitty, 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 kitty. It's supposed to write 1,500 1, words, 1,500 words, and he wrote, you could count them down to this 1,400 kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so he cared about ball, he didn't care about school.
0: Oh, but well, she passed it. He got a basic grade moved on. He was an average well he is a roughhouse basketball player, fouled out of most games. <laughs> <laughs> but he played basketball and was a baseball player and ran on both relay teams that won a state championship his senior year.
2: Well Roy you know, I was a little kid, but you know, when you and I've looked back some of this stuff too. And, and this was 1957. Yeah, 57. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was six one, two ten, and ran a, you know, a nine, eight, hundred. I mean, he was a, I mean, that's a big man today.
0: that's the best story about Roy Bruce. This is one that always comes to my mind first. We were playing that were undefeated, and long in, uh, it was getting late in October, the season was about over, and we played Mineola, who, who was undefeated. So, naturally, the big game in East Texas that week was White Oak-Mineola. We played in Mineola. So, that afternoon, I, when I, at 2.30, we started the last period, I got the team together and Now, you can go home and eat, but eat light. Be careful what you what you eat is going to make a lot of difference and rest a while if you can. We'll be back back up here at five o'clock. And we'll go to Mineola. So we went to Mineola. And it was a game just like they thought. We scored, they scored. Rocked along there into the fourth quarter, we was ahead (laughs) by one point. And uh, right at the end of the game, it was hot. It was a hot day. Right at the end of the game, they got the ball and got on a drive and got inside our ten. Now we're getting down to the last minute of the game with that shit, that kind of lead. Well, well, they ran the ball. Bruce, Bruce made a tackle. They ran it again. Bruce made the tackle. Long story short, they ran four plays and, and got to the one yard line. Bruce made four tackles and we stopped him in the last minute. Wow! Now if we can hold the ball to the end of the game, that's it. So, I sent a substitute in and I says, okay, give it the ball to Bruce up the middle. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna run the ball. Call. We call said one and so, we ran send me one name. And what happened? Roy breaks loose for 30 yards. <laughs> so he gets out near midfield. And by the time they got all huddled up and the officials got everybody straight, it was time for one play. We ran Bruce up the middle again. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here it looked like there it must have been 18 of the players, at least on the pileup. And you begin to see them shove and push and, and kick. And that, that big, big old pile of them was a kicking. Well the fans, the fans thought it was a gang fight. So especially many old fans down on the field they
1: come.
0: Oh. I mean, there's hundreds of them. They got to the pile and by then I ran out there to see if I could get things under the control. I says, what happened? And said, so Roy vomited him all along.
1: He said, he had too much to eat earlier in the day then.
0: Oh, too much to eat? He had gone home but I got to eat and he ate a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> Until the last play of the game. Well, we got through push and shove and might have been a lick or two pass, but I got all the players. And to leave the field, it was, they had hedges all around it, but they had an opening in there, like a gate. Boy, we went through that gate and went to the dressing room. And as soon as we got, I got all the players in the dressing room, we locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, they showered and played around. We would won the game and, you know, everybody was happy. And when we got through with that, it was, ai don't know, after 10 o'clock. We got back to the door and opened it and there must have been 200 many old people between us and our bus.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I said, woo, we're not going out into that. So, I went in the office and called the highway patrol. I says, "We and this Coach Miles over here at the stadium and we need a little help. What's the matter? And I says, well there's a lot of people Trying to avoid us getting back to our bus. He said, Well, Coach, I'm sorry, but that's private property. We can't do anything about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he didn't want to help, huh? And we were about an hour and a half later before we could get back to our bus. We had eight meals ordered there, too, but we didn't stop to eat them. <laughs>
1: I don't blame y'all. went straight home.
0: We went home.
1: And then obviously uh, the great Max McGee, you got to coach him.
0: Yes, sir. I coached Max two years. Max is, is probably the best all around athlete I've ever wor- worked with. I'll tell you how good he was. <laughs> Not only did he was a great football player, he was our tail. We, we were running short punt then. He was a tailback in the short punt formation, which means he's gonna run or kick or throw the ball. Mm -hmm. He's the best passer we had, he's the best pass catcher we had. (laughs) And of course, led the state in punting. He punted for Green Bay for 12 years. (laughs) So, Mattress, then, (laughs) when I first saw him, he was a junior in high school when I went there. Well, Max was about 6'2", and then probably didn't weigh 175, because he didn't get enough to eat. His mother was in the TB sanitarium, and his daddy was an old alcoholic, and just he and his daddy lived together. You know they didn't cook me. <laughs> Max eat most of his meals. He's come in, and they can beat that kid. <laughs> Shit, he could beat anybody in East Texas at shuffleboard. He'd bat him a hamburger, and that's where he got most of his meals up there, playing shuffleboard in those no honky-tonk.
2: Wow. <laughs> my mother Patty.
0: Yeah. And he over at
2: their house.
0: Oh, well, yeah, he ate at my house a lot, because Lou liked him. And, and she just put another dip or two of beans in there, Food and then he ate a lot at our house. I, I, I'll go, I'll jump ahead and then come back. Yeah. After Max was playing with Green Bay, every time he'd come back in the off season, he'd come to our house first because he wanted to Miss Miles and <laughs> he wanted to eat some of her meals. Wow. And they talked a lot. So he come in one time. I guess it was the first first time, the first year he was with them or second year. He come home and of course he came to the school and as soon as the school's out, he and I went up to the house. He wanted to see Miss Lou. Well, we sat there and talked a few minutes. He talked a little while longer and he about the third or fourth time he did, I said, Max, do you are you having a problem? Oh no, coach. He said, I just got my notice from Draft board. I got to go meet with the draft board and you in New Orleans next week, and I, I want to convince him I'm not able to serve.
1: <laughs> so he was already practicing on you, huh? Yeah, he, practiced.
2: <laughs> he used to come over when we moved to Dallas when he was playing for the Packers, and they used to play what they call the salesmanship game when the world champions would play the Cowboys game. And they'd come, remember that, they'd come to Dallas and, and he'd come over and eat dinner. So I was a little kid and here's and he'd bring Paul Horning with him and guys, you know, Fuzzy Thurston and Jerry Kramer, and they'd come over to the house and eat dinner. Wow. Yep. You may have heard the story, but it was, uh, it came from, from those meetings is that said, One time they had a curfew, and he and Horning, and you know the history, they were big partiers. Oh, yeah. Well, they went out, they came over to our house, but they didn't go back to the hotel. I don't know where they went, but when they left eating dinner, they went out. And the next day, Lombardi fined them like $5,000. And and they went in to talk to him and give him the money, and he said, Boys, I'm going to tell you something. If you do that again, I'm going to I'm gonna find you another 5000 but you gotta take me with you because I wanna know what the hell you do that's worth $5,000. But that, you, that came from coming over to our house to eat. And then, wow,
0: that's
2: and then going out to Dallas before the night before the game. No t- Max,
0: Max was, he smoked all the time. And we tried to prevent that.
1: In high school or later on?
0: But I, was, you'd oh, go around and walk around the opposite way around the building to keep seeing him and all that. But his, between his junior and senior year, he got us. and old tonsillitis was a sore. It was just he and his daddy living together, and uh, hell, he was sick. He needed attention. But well, old man didn't take him. I took him to the doctor in Longview. I said, man, this is the best player of God. We need to get him, well, I was in the summer? junior senior here. So I carried him up there to old Dr. Lane. Doctor really wanted to help him, wanted to influence him to go to Texas. So he looked at him and says, well, he's got tonsillitis and they need to come out of there. I said, well, doctor, his family's all scattered and I says, we'll take care of the bill. I'll see that it's taken care of. Take those tonsils out. He says, I'll do that and I'll try to help you a little while I'm doing it. He got Max down there and told about it, tell him how bad those tonsilitis tonsils were. He says, Max, that's caused from smoking. And you need to quit that smoking. It'll kill you. You'll die on a young man He scared the shit out of old Mac. Mac quit smoking for his <laughs> senior year.
1: For his senior year.
0: He got well enough that he come back and played, was top football player in East Texas. And then we had basketball season coming up. And let me tell you who the three players were in East Texas that were probably as good as ever played in Texas. Max McGee could play basketball. And you see, he's well over six feet tall. At the same time, Don Meredith was playing at Mount Vernon. And the best one of the three was an old boy playing at Martin's Mill. Hmm. And uh, when those, any of those two teams got together, we had basketball in East Texas. When uh, on. we wanted, we won a state championship. Martin's Mill won a state championship. So that about took about care about of football and basketball. That. That. Yeah. Then we started baseball and our yeah. baseball players yeah. was yeah. and ran track. We worked worked it all together. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. schedule yeah. games on days they had special track workouts, vice versa. Oh, that. But, I mean, that made it easy since I was head coach. <laughs> so we won all of our baseball games. We won the original so four we weeks And sport. we won the state track meet. And all Max did was win a high jump. And believe me, the guy liked that high jump. Shot put right. <laughs> and ran on the two relay teams he won. Yeah, wow. And That's the recruiting good. took place. Bill come down one day and says, well if you would go with me and I'm gonna to talk to Max McGee. He's in a big Cadillac. <laughs> so we got in that Cadillac, drove down to Max's house. Max is in the backyard but no shirt on smoking cigarette. Uh, Matty, there's a big chinaberry tree in the front yard. So he parked that Cadillac under the chinaberry tree and I called Max out. Yeah, and- Left all the doors open in that cabinet. And Maddie stayed under the like wheel. And Max got know. in that front seat and sat down. And they talked a little bit. Maddie got to telling him what all to I'll tell you what we can do for you. You know, in Dallas, we got two of the biggest newspapers anyway, in the state of Texas. At that time, had Morning News and Times Herald.
2: He says, Those
0: sports rights. Says, you know what makes all Americans, it's not so much what you don't feel, it's sport riding. It's the way they ride them. <laughs> they talk, he talked and carried on. I said, boy, surely Max is going to take fall for all this. <laughs> and uh, Max finally shook his head. No, coach, you just, ain't no use of wasting your time. I'm not going to this. Anymore. Did that Did
1: he? Did he pick Tulane because of something about his mom or?
0: Oh, sure, right. It was. Uh, old Dutch Meyer came up there too. Boy, he got he. Uh, I thought that was TCU made the best offer of all of them. They offered him a car any time he wanted. And uh, I was just joking. I said, Coach, can you f- furnish Max all the socks he wants? He says. Hell death yes, we his feet. A hundred of them socks now, they carry them off every day. <laughs> but anyway, Max's uh, mother was in TB center, and some doctors from Tulane got her moved out to New Orleans and treated her, and she got well. And when, when, it, when those Tulane doctors did that, Max went to Tulane. Mm-hmm. But, he came to graduation driving a. We, there were some new automobiles built about that time. Didn't last but a year or two. Why well, can't I can't think of the name of that thing? That was Max, an unusual person. I had him in a history class. And I know he never read the book. But when I give him a test, if I'd said it in class, he could record it back. I don't care if was six months ago.
1: What Uh, brought you to White Oak? Just a brand new opportunity for you.
0: Brand new. new. I I was playing baseball. Used to, right after the war, they had a a uh, minor league baseball league over there Longview, Kilgore, Henderson. Marshall. Lufkin, and I believe, well there's eight teams in that minor league, and I was playing baseball in the East Texas League. We played a game one night in Kilgore. When the game was over, there's a fellow in a suit and tie come down and says, could I, when you have time, could we talk to you a few minutes? I said, sure, I'll be out of the shower in about five minutes. And I come out, and he was a superintendent from White Oak. He and the head coach, a guy named Lee Mitchell. And so we talked, we talked about him and he says, well, we have a, we need another coach in White Oak. Well, my eyes blinked. <laughs> That's just what I wanted. I says, I, I don't want to make this decision without my wife, but I tell you what I'll do, I'll go back to Lufkin tonight and get her, and we'll be in White Oak in the morning by nine o'clock, and if that'll be soon enough. He says, we'll see you in the morning. So I went home, got Lou, and we went and borrowed a car, and we went to White Oak the next morning. There's nothing there, boy, you know what's there. They wasn't even those stores on up on the <laughs> on, uh, on the interstate or whatever that is. Well, we talked to him in the school. and he says, "Well, we'd like to have we we'd give you three thousand dollars a year." Golly, I'd already signed a contract in in Port Lavaca, which is way down on the coast, mm-hmm. for twenty six hundred. And I told him, well, i have the contract. If I can get out of that, I'll sure take this one. He says, well, while you're thinking about it, we'll make that $3,100. So I got $3,100 as a rookie coach to help the head coach do whatever else, coach the baseball team, be basketball.
1: So you must have you must have made an impression that night on the baseball field for him to offer you the.
0: Well, I guess I don't know, but that's where it all started.
1: Wow, that is awesome. (laughs) So uh, another question for you. I think it was fifty-eight. Something about a player was ineligible. Yes, sir. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that story.
0: Actually, I, back then I knew very little about the UIL and supposed to make reports, but the, I found out even then. The principal is the guy that makes the report to the, the interscholastic league. All games, including who played. Well, that was the second time we'd already had this, it happened to us in '54. I had two years. That we forfeited because of an eligible player. Both years we were undefeated when it happened, and both unusual mm. circumstances. Now that one in '57 was the one that hurt most 59. because we were in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. In fact, we just beat Edgewood 71 to nothing.
1: <laughs> 71 in a playoff game?
0: Yeah, cool. and and it had to forfeit. <laughs> we had a little. Guy that was living with a deputy sheriff out there. Mm-hmm. The sheriff had, had adopted this kid when he was six years old. Mm-hmm. And he'd gone all through school, all the way, until that game. And then he was declared. What happened? His mother was a prostitute in Longview. And she'd had some other children. And the on the county records, it didn't have the name, it said a baby boy was born. And that baby boy was born about six months too early. And we got through quarterfinals and they went to Austin. Got the records, and that's what they decided. Well, it had to be him.
1: So it was the opposing team that got beat 71-0, are they the ones that did the dirt and found it?
0: No, Hawkins.
1: Hawkins did? <laughs> yeah. What, were they jealous, or what? Are they Oh, boy,
0: more worse I ever saw. Had a guy named Red Lowrance. Was coach over there. I don't know how they dug up all that I was about to say,
1: how did they even know that and find I, out that?
0: I don't know but they're the ones that filed, And uh, we had to go to Austin. The committee decided that boy really.
1: Was he an important player on the team that year?
0: No, no. part-time <laughs> player. Oh. Uh, well, he had give it up, we had to quit.
1: That had to have hurt. Yeah, it did. Last year in White Oak was uh, 58. 58? Were you sad to leave?
0: Well, I, I will tell you now, this is, <laughs> you're probably not supposed to feel this way about it, but there was some other, you know, in a, small, a small school like that, we only had three board members. That means one of them who's against you and one with a red ass is a majority. <laughs> It didn't take, they had a, oh, a big community split up. And in a town or a place that small, when you split them up they don't, and you see the same people every day and don't speak to them. <laughs> well, it sort of got that way in the community. Really, the split up came about in the church. Hey, the church up there, won't hey, whatever they do to the one, when they throw them out of the church. Well, in White Oak, there was just one church then that, that Baptist Church right across the street. That's it. And uh, when they got divided and split up, that split up the school. But it just got unpleasant.
1: So you thought it was time for a new change?
0: That's right. Pro-side had, had a good record there. Yeah, had a good record overall. And I said, man, I, if I'm going to ever move up, that's going to be the time I ought to do it because I can get another job. And I went to Victoria, Texas, Victoria. Houston, Corpus, and interviewed. And when I left down there, I wasn't sure because I, I talked with everybody except the president of the board. <laughs> I talked to board members and, uh, well, I talked to president of the president, the superintendent, and all of them, but one, there's one more guy wasn't in town that they had to meet with, and he is president of the athletic club. They met at night and they discussed, you know, all that, and, and then they told me he wasn't, he wasn't for me. Hmm. I said, "My Lord, why you don't want a job?" But the board offered me a job. But the pray, I said, "I'm not going to get into some divided board. That's bad enough. That's where I am now." And so I drove all the way back home, not knowing. And after I got there, they called me and said, "The job is yours." I said, "What about that president of the, the club?"
1: It was a booster club member. Booster.
0: Well, he, had, he has a degree. I said, in that case, forget about it. I'm not coming into a divided school. The very next day, I got a call from Mr. P.C. Cobb. Mr. P.C. Cobb was the athletic director of Dallas. And he called and says, uh, Coach Williamson saying that you may be interested in another coaching job. I said, yes sir. Always interested in better job than one I got. He said, "Would you could you come up here and let's discuss it?" I said, "I'll be there in the morning." And we didn't talk five minutes. He says, "We got two jobs open in Dallas. You can have your choice. Which one do you want?" I said, "I didn't know anything about Dallas. All I knew where Fire Park was." He said, "Woodrow Wilson and Adams." Well, I don't know one from the other, but the good Lord pinched me on the shoulder <laughs> and says Woodrow Wilson. So I said Woodrow Wilson. And I went back home and I said, "Lou, I got chance to be a head coach in Dallas. What do you think about it? She says, if you build us a brick house, well, go. Be glad to. I said, Scotty was about six years old. I said, Scotty, what do you think about letting, going to Dallas? He says, if you'll get us a brick house. Because we live in an old wooden house down there, single frame, get cold in the winter and all that stuff. <sighs> but well, that's why we came to Dallas. Wow. Football said. any athletics come easy for me. I didn't have to sit up at night. And uh, like <laughs> Bob Phillips was my roommate in college, so nastiest roommate I ever saw. Chewed the back of all the time, and old trash can in between our bunks, and he didn't even hit that trash can. In half. But uh, people like him would turn up all right and talk about theory. That come easy for me. White Oak was known for with his band. And they were good. Of course, that band director—they <laughs> didn't have many rules either. They'd go on a trip, or even if they just played Saturday to for a college football game, he'd take ten or fifteen band members from the Kilgore Rangerettes
1: <laughs>
0: and put them in there. And that made it sound uh, the number was big, and they could play Kilgore band. The first year I coached there, we played in the Amarada Camp. That's about a mile west of the school. In the field ball Camp furnished. In fact, I don't know how many oil wells was on the campus. We could hardly find place to play because oil wells. I would say there was some luck involved. The first coach there was named William Knowles. And, of course, he uh, was in the Hall of Fame. And he didn't stay there long. He just coached there maybe three or four years. And then he moved to uh, junior college down at Carthage. Well, he was replaced by Lee Mitchell. Lee Mitchell was in the Hall of Fame. But most of his, was, he only coached there for a year and a half. And Well, I stayed 11 years. So that made me a long time. It <laughs> got a little ambitious back there. I, I did some things like in baseball. only go to the regional. Those kids could play baseball over there. I like baseball. So we worked at it. We wanted <laughs> the region every year I was there. But I played, tried to play Tyler and Longview. Kilgore, Glade Russell, I played my by district games with a handful of little
1: olds. Is- so, what was your greatest accomplishment at White Oak when you look back after your 11 years there?
0: Gosh, I, I don't know. it's all a thrill. the
1: thrill. The 57 state title?
0: Well, that had to be a highlight.
1: Yeah, I could imagine. No question. Absolutely. You're in the history books forever with that one.
0: I'll tell you this, and I bet you on that Saturday when we played in Waco, you couldn't buy a loaf of bread or a gallon of gas in White
1: Oak. If you could put top three best athletes in 11 years in your time in White Oak, who, do you think that, who would they be?
0: Well, it would be Max, and I, I, I'd have, <laughs> you'd have to talk about that for a while. And the, ne- the next I'd say was Roy Bruce. And then there would be some others that come along and were better in one thing. I'd have to put right up where equal with them was David Alexander. David Alexander was as good as old brothers were a little bit shady. He was 6'2, weighed 190, and he could run that 100 and 110 flat too, and was a straight A student.
1: Was he on the fifty seventeen?
0: Yeah. He was a split end. I played him in safety, Mm -hmm. because- He went to
2: Baylor and ran, he won all the South West Conference track. Oh yeah. He was more, Baylor was more of a track. Yeah. played football and track. And then went to work for NASA. He was a scientist for NASA.
0: Yeah, he retired as a mathematician at NASA. Smart, good guy. And he could play and as a football player. I used him as a split end mostly, but we kept him in to run in and rounds, and he could catch the ball good.
1: And you had him and Roy Bruce on the same team at one time. That was pretty. That one. man, I see why y'all won the state state that year. <laughs> Yeah, because that's pretty impressive for 11 years. Your 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 top three guys, two of them are on the same team. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs>
0: well, Alexander, I I'm not sure he was valedictorian or salutatorian, but he was out of And a good come from a good Christian family, and and he was a straight arrow. And boy, he, he could play basketball. He was all saying in football and basketball. And ran on the track team that won the state championship. Wow. And in baseball he was my center fielder and pitcher.
1: You had some stud athletes. Oh he was <laughs> stud. Man. I'd
0: have to put him up there with any anyway, highly recruited. <laughs> we had a young man there one time that was adopted. Oh adopted early and was went any question about his eligibility with the name of Bobby Green. Bobby Green was a good, uh, oh, he was a good kid. Well, one year I remember one thing funny happened why White Oak. Then, money wasn't any question. We can, you know, buy whatever we need. We decided one year to have some new uniform, playing uniforms. I said, well, I know what I'll do. I'll let Lou pick them out. So I told her, Let's say I'm going to go up to the house and let my wife pick out.
1: <laughs>
0: so she did the color and all and it was bright, maroon, and uh, I mean shiny. We got that shiny silk looking uniform. Man, they were flashy. But there's one thing about them. If you get water on them, they stain. You know, you could see it. <laughs> it really shines. Well, we were playing Jefferson one night, and, I, and little old Bobby Green, boy, we ran a reverse play. He come around there, and by the time he got in open field, as one of them really dried off him. <laughs> and he hit the ground, and I noticed he got up and then fell back down. Well, i had sort of a rule in those days. Anytime a player got hurt enough for me to come on the field and see about him, he is out of the game. They didn't get hurt, they didn't. We never got anybody hurt. But I saw old Bobby fall back down to the ground. I said, boy, that's funny. That's something's gone wrong. Well, he lay there and lay there, and the manager run after him. He come back and said, coach, he wants to see you. So I go out on the field with the intention of bringing him back to the bench with me. And when I got close, he said, Coach, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong, but come here, let me show you something. I said, Bobby, what's the matter? He says, when that guy attacked me, I peed all over myself. And then it <laughs> <shot. laughs> oh, So shot. it stained the uniform? And he wouldn't <laughs> get up, because he knew this. I, I laughed. I said, God, these people are gonna think I'm going crazy. You're laughing and the boy is hurt. (laughs) And I turned around, then we brought water out in a bucket. Uh. I said, Navy, that bucket of water. And he brought me that bucket of water over there, and old Bobby's still laying on the ground. And I stumbled intentionally and spilled that bucket of water.
1: Oh, man.
0: <laughs> then it didn't show. We laughed about the last, every year at homecoming, they, they laughed. I bet the crowd was wondering what was going on. Why did the coaches oh, throw yeah. the water? I think of his name in a minute. They carried the chain for us all the time. Well, when this fight started out on Figo, the field, timeout was called, and he turned around and went over to the fence to. Argue with somebody who was arguing along that fence. And one of them took a knife. They pulled him over that fence. He got to fight, trying to fight over that fence. And they pulled him over the fence. And when they did, one of them took a uh, He got his knife out. That's what they did. They pulled him over a fence. And they pulled him over that fence. And, and when he hit the ground, he got his knife open.
1: And what stadium, where was this at? What, what? Who were y'all playing? Pine Tree. Oh, Pine Tree, Yeah. So it happened in Pine Tree, someone, he pulled his knife out on him? He
0: pulled that knife out and and started cutting. Well, he hit one of them right across here and it opened him up to where you could see his guts. And it dropped him oh. right at the end of the beach. Oh. Well, another guy saw it. And so he decided he'd leave that fight, and as he turned to leave, that old boy hit him right in the right in the ass <laughs> with that knife, and he split him boy, and that was a long cut. Did <laughs> he, he get in trouble, trouble for it? I had to go to the hospital. Oh my! God. Well, one of them sued the other one, and I got called in as a witness. <laughs> and Lee Mitchell. Lee Mitchell was off that night, so he'd come over and sit on the bench with me while we, cause he's a sellout. Well that boy, too, two got cut, and Lee got up on the stand and the judge says, well, Mr. Mitchell, what did you see? Lee said, I'm not a connoisseur of fad fabrics or colors. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) what he had on, but I just know that the fight didn't last long. They
1: dismissed it. Wow. So I didn't even
0: have to get on the stand. They dismissed
1: it. <laughs> well, if that happened today in the high school football game, it would make national headline news. Well, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> we had one there that top anybody in Texas. He owned a, a hardware store in Great. But this was a big old, big old guy had that, had that uh, hardware store. I mean, he was, a, he weighed about 250. He could pick up a refrigerator and walk with me. And for some reason, he, had, he didn't like me for a while.
1: <laughs> As a, he didn't like you because you were the coach? That's right. He, he thought I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was gonna ask you, did you ever have any moments like that in town where people wanted you your job, or did you ever any have issues Ooh, like that? Oh, he did.
0: It. He drove from house to house, knocked on doors, and said, "I want you to vote against that coach. We need to run that son of a bitch off." Really? Yeah. Well,
1: what, he, what, what was your record that year? Why do you think he was like that? Five and
0: five. He's a big old guy, and he had a, a, a place down on that Lake Dufferin. And, uh, boy, that's good fishing, man. Oh, he didn't invite me, but he invited two assistant coaches. And so I just went with him one day. <laughs> I says, it's time for us to have a s- settling. And so I got in the boat with him. We paddled around the corner. I laid that pedal down, I said, Roy, I said, you've been wanting to fire me. If you got anything against me, just stand up at the end of that boat. Let's have it out right now. Oh, that's crazy. That's the dumbest thing I ever did in my life. But I bluffed old Roy. <laughs> we didn't fight.
1: Y'all talked it out?
0: Uh, well, we left our feeling a little better. And I don't know what really turned him, but soon after that, he became the biggest fan I had. <laughs> Whoo, roll, roughnecks, roll. You can hear him all over the community. Roy, Roy, oh, I'll think of his name,
2: man. I will too. I can see his face, but I can't
0: think of his name.
2: Whoo, he was bad.
1: So he was the only guy then that gave you problems going five to five, huh?
0: He's the one I ever knew about. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't get any of the board members. We didn't have but three board members. They never did run me off.